This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Strider. It's a musical sound due to disrupted airflow in an individual's airway. It has a variety of causes, and in many instances, it's, it's benign, but it can also represent a serious problem and possibly even life-threatening. It can be very frightening to a parent when it develops in their child. In today's podcast, we'll learn about the various causes of Strider and when we need to be concerned that it represents a serious problem. Our guest today is Dr. Sheila Kofer, a pediatric otolaryngology specialist at the Mayo Clinic. Welcome, Sheila. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start by having you define what Strider actually is and how it sounds. Sure. So Strider is a clinical sign of a constricted or narrowed upper airway. It typically is a noisy or high-pitched sound that occurs when air flows through a narrowing in the upper airway of a patient. The narrowing creates turbulence, which we can hear with our ears. By the way, Strider is Latin for creaking or grating noise. Some people use the terms Sturder and Strider interchangeably, but technically Sturder refers to what most of us would call snoring. And the level of obstruction is a bit higher in the airway at the level of the pharynx or the nose. Strider more commonly occurs when the narrowing is at the level of the larynx or the trachea. So that would differentiate it from wheezing, which would be more of a lower respiratory sound. Is, is that correct? That's correct. This question comes up a lot when talking about strider versus wheezing or other airway noises. One simple way to distinguish between the two is that wheezing is something that we can only hear with a stethoscope. And strider, because it does indicate a problem with the lower airways, strider is something that we can hear with our ears. Is it easy to tell that it's coming from the upper airway? You know, generally speaking, we can localize the site of strider by how it sounds, but it's not perfect. And we have to really do some other investigation and get a good history in order to determine what the cause of the sound is from. Mm -hmm. So wheezing is usually primarily expiratory. Is strider expiratory or inspiratory or both? Mm -hmm. You know, that's a great question. The short answer is it can be both. But the detailed explanation of this is that inspiratory strider generally indicates obstruction above the level of the larynx. In other words, the parts of the larynx, such as the supraglottis, the vocal cord level or the glottis or the subglottis. And for the trachea, when it's the portion of the trachea that is extrathoracic, meaning above the level of the clavicles. When we see expiratory strider, that generally will indicate a narrowing that's a little bit lower down in the airway. So in the trachea and in the part of the trachea that is intrathoracic, that is under below the level of the clavicles. 
So it's really just kind of a partial obstruction of the airway. I mean, that's how a whistle is developed. I guess that's pretty much equivalent then, huh? That's correct. And if I may, Strider is more of a high-pitched noise. I would say it sounds more like, whereas Sturder is more of a snore, and it sounds like. Interesting. You do that very well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so does Strider only occur in children? I, I think of it as primarily in children, but can it occur in adults? Yes, yeah, Strider can definitely occur in children and it can occur in adults. The causes of Strider in children and adults is very different in that you see more congenital problems in children as a cause of Strider, whereas in adults, you're going to have more acquired conditions that lead to Strider. Well, as I was doing my reading on this um, and preparing this interview, I came across the term laryngomalacia. What exactly is that? Laryngomalacia is really the most common cause of noisy breathing in newborns and in children. And laryngomalacia is a term that refers to softness or collapsibility of the cartilages of the larynx. And specifically, the supraglottic portion of the larynx. And those parts are the epiglottis and the arytenoid cartilages. It's fairly common. The good news is that most of the time it's a benign process that will go away on its own over time. And we're talking about over the course of a year to a year and a half. And that's true for 90% of cases of laryngomalacia. When it is severe, then it can lead to feeding difficulties, failure to thrive, or respiratory apnea. And in those severe cases of laryngomalacia, we have to sometimes do a surgery to open up the airway. That's called a supraglottoplasty. I call it the nip and tuck operation of the larynx. All right, interesting. So let's talk about Strider in kids first. What are the most common causes of Strider that you see in the uh, younger population? So children with Strider can be born with it. And we talked about laryngomalacia as one cause. You can also have other conditions that you're born with, such as a narrowing of the subglottic airway. The subglottis in children is the most narrow portion of the airway, whereas in adults, that tends to be the vocal cord level or the glottic level. Some kids can also have immobility of their vocal cords when they're born. That's called vocal cord paralysis. There can be growths or birthmarks that can actually occur in the airway as well, such as hemangiomas. And kids can also have acquired strider, and that can be due to acquired reasons, such as if they had to be intubated when they were born because they were premature or they had a, a heart surgery and now they have a vocal cord problem after that. So when our kids were young, I can recall one of them having croup. And as a geriatrician, uh, I had a very limited knowledge of pediatrics. So that, it was quite concerning. But is croup a form of uh, strider? Croup is a form of strider. It causes strider. Croup is technically, it's inflammation or infection 
and swelling of the airway. Specifically, it's the part of the airway that's just past the vocal cords, the subglottis. And because this is the narrowest portion of a child's airway, when they get a virus, such as parainfluenza or RSV virus, they can get a little bit of swelling in their subglottis and that can lead to strider. Well, I think of croup as a benign issue, but as you describe it, uh, does it have the potential to be serious? It can be serious and we need to evaluate those patients and we can give them medical treatment to help decrease the swelling and to help support them as they recover from their illness. All right, let's turn now to uh, Strider in adults. What are some of the common reasons an adult may develop Strider? As I was mentioning, Strider in adults is going to be more often an acquired problem. Congenital problems present typically a lot earlier in life, like in the first year of life. In adults, we have a broad range of things that can lead to narrowing in the airway. And some of these might be autoimmune disorders, such as polyangitis with granulomatosis, and that can cause narrowing parts of the airway, specifically the subglottis. There can be some infectious causes of strider in adults, such as epiglottitis, and more often, we see tumors as a cause of strider in adults. I recall years ago, I was on a hospital service and we admitted a patient with epiglottitis. And during the middle of the night, the patient actually occluded the airway. Unfortunately, he was in the ICU because that was anticipated. That can cause strider as well, I imagine, as, as the uh, epiglottis swells more and more towards obstruction. Is that right? Yes. It's interesting because we used to see epiglottitis more so in children, but with the um, advent of Haemophilus influenza type B vaccination, which many kids are getting now, we have a shift and we see more epiglottitis in adults. The bacterial cause of epiglottitis in adults is different from children. It's more often strep infection or a staph infection. And it can present differently. There is a lot of drooling. There can be fever, definitely sore throat. You can have problems breathing too. You can have strider and it can be serious. So we do need to see those patients and evaluate them. Let's talk about other serious causes of strider. Uh, what are some characteristics that would make one feel that this is a serious cause versus a benign cause? So when strider comes on more rapidly, that can indicate a serious problem. So by rapidly, what I'm really referring to is on the matter of hours up to about a couple of weeks, that's considered progressive strider. And progressive strider always needs to be evaluated. Now, our listeners are primarily primary care providers. And whether a parent brings their child in to see the provider or has a phone call to their provider, what should we be asking the parent or maybe the patient if he's an adult regarding questions about their strider to determine if this is serious or not? I think this is also really important. And I would ask about things like 
the timing of onset of the strider, whether it's comes and goes or whether it's constant, if it seems to be getting worse, if it's interfering with feeding or with sleep, how's the weight gain of the child been? Have they had any scary breathing spells? Have they stopped breathing or had any episodes of turning blue? I would ask about the birth history and I'd wanna know, does the patient have any birthmarks on their skin anywhere? I would also ask things if it's a little bit older child, especially a toddler, was there a witness choking event? Did they seem to have something in their hand that they put in their mouth and then they had a choking event and now they're having this noisy breathing? So all of these things are very important to ask about. One useful mnemonic that I like to remember when evaluating Strider is called SPECS-R. And the S stands for Strider. And you want to know the characterization of it, inspiratory, expiratory, constant, intermittent, things like that, which I mentioned before. If there's any factors that make it worse or better, you want to know the progression. I think that's a really important point. How quickly has this come on? If there's eating difficulties, so the specs are the E is eating. And you want to know, is there coughing or choking with swallowing? Is there failure to gain weight? failure to thrive, cyanosis, so blue spells, we talked about that, and sleep. How's the sleep, sleep quality? Is the noisy breathing present when they're asleep or not? And finally, the R stands for radiology. Have any x-rays been done to evaluate the strider? Well, let's talk about that next. What kind of imaging studies might be helpful as we're evaluating a patient who has strider? There are some imaging studies which can be helpful. Things like simple tracheal view x-rays can be helpful. And these are obtained to specifically highlight the air column. And so you really want to make sure that your radiologist understands what you're looking for when you order an x-ray. So they can modify the way they take the x-ray to show you the air column. And that can also show you any narrowings in the air column. I would also recommend that if you do get an x-ray, make sure to remember to get two views. You want to get a frontal view, an AP view, and also a lateral view, because seeing a narrowing in one view isn't as pertinent as being able to see it in two views. We also sometimes will recommend to do fluoroscopy examinations. You can do chest fluoroscopy. You can do upper airway fluoroscopy. And these are better to evaluate for dynamic airway obstructions. So obstruction that changes with the breathing pattern can be seen with fluoroscopy. In some cases, we may ask to have a CT scan done or an MRI scan done as well. The uh, patient that I recall with epiglottitis was such a dramatic case that it's still fresh in my mind, even though it was like 25, 30 years ago. And I recall, because it was suspected in the emergency department, a uh, lateral neck x-ray was obtained, and the epiglottis showed up very nicely, and you could see it enlarged. And uh, it, was, it was a simple x-ray, but it was very, very helpful. Yes, we call that the thumbprint sign, a very enlarged epiglottis. Well, when does a patient with Strider need to be referred to an ENT physician? So Strider is noisy breathing, which is a sign of narrowing in the airway. And I would consider it to be always abnormal. 
breathing should be quiet when there's nothing going on. There's no disorders, congenital lesions, things like that. Breathing is quiet. And so it's never wrong to consider sending your patient for evaluation by an ENT. And the nice thing about that is all otolaryngologists are able to do office laryngoscopy, where we use a small camera and a scope and we take a look in through the nose with our camera. We look at the throat, we look at the voice box, and very often we're able to identify right away what the cause of the noisy breathing is. Let's talk a little bit about treatment. And I know that treatment varies depending on the cause of the strider, but for some of the more common causes of strider, what are some of the treatments that you might use? So you're right. It really does depend on what the underlying cause of the strider is. In some cases, as we were talking about earlier, cases of laryngomalacia, very often the treatment is just close observation. We see those patients back, we get their weights, we make sure that they're growing appropriately. There are other causes of strider, such as the infectious causes. We talked about croup, where medical therapy or interventions would be recommended. Things like giving medication, such as steroids, where that will help to reduce swelling in the airway. We sometimes recommend breathing treatments, things like racemic epinephrine. These are in medical interventions which can help treat strider depending on the cause. And then there's definitely also surgical interventions that might be required as well. Let's finish up by asking you to give us maybe two or three key points that summarize our discussion regarding strider. So strider is noisy breathing, and it's a result of a narrowing in the airway. And I consider it to be always abnormal. There's always a cause of strider to be found, and I think it's worth looking. The next thing that I would say is there's a wide variety of causes of strider, and those causes are different in children and adults. And they need to be approached by obtaining a very thorough history, doing a complete examination, and ordering some specifically targeted testing if needed. The last thing that I would say is we have to remember that patients who have strider and it's longstanding or progressive, oftentimes the oxygen saturation levels are the last thing to change or to start to dip down. Your patient would show other signs of airway obstruction, nasal flaring, retractions, things like this, and they may be tiring out and their carbon dioxide levels may be going up high. And so you really have to look at the whole picture and use your history, exam, and test results to figure out how urgently one needs to intervene and what that intervention is. So strider is not a diagnosis. It's really a symptom of something causing a partial upper airway obstruction. Is that right? That's correct. All right. Well, we've been discussing strider with pediatric otolaryngologist, Dr. Sheila Kofer. Sheila, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. It's always fun for me learning a little bit about pediatrics because that's something that I'm a little weak on. You can now listen to over 100 different medical topics developed for primary care providers on Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts. Find them at ce.mayo.edu or your favorite podcasting app. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please follow us. 
Stay healthy and see you next week.